Welcome to another episode in season four of The Capstone. We're going to discuss policy, food safety regulations, and how smaller produce farmers might be supported to comply so they can increase their market opportunities. Join us for the conversation. So today, joining me are two guests, Dr. Robin Curry who is the Director of Sustainable Food Systems Programs at Prescott College and also the Associate Dean for Academic Innovation. Dr. Curry served as an advisor on the student project we'll be discussing today. One of the many reasons she was a great mentor on this project was that prior to her work in higher education, she served as director of Mercy Corps in Kyrgyzstan, where, among other things, with a background as an ethnoecologist specializing in agrobiodiversity, she worked with smallholder farmers to improve the sustainability and resilience of agropastoral systems, which was also a way to address inequities in the food system. So welcome, Robin. Thank you. So pleased to be here. Oh, yeah. And always, I'm looking forward to our conversation today and all that you bring to it. Thank you. So I'm happy to also introduce Rachel Wilson. Hi, Rachel. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Oh, well, thanks. And and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Rachel is here to talk about her project, which examines an issue that cuts across sectors, health, agriculture, consumers, economics, policy. It's a perfect example of how interconnected systems are in the food system. I know I talk a lot to my uh, students about the complexity of the food system, and this project really demonstrates there truly are no standalone issues. Rachel takes a hard look at agricultural certification and the power of policy, what that means for farmers, those of us who buy our food, and ultimately the economics of local food. The connections I've made through my research have been really incredible. A USDA researcher expressed interest in my project and reached out to me. Um, I feel like I've begun to cultivate relationships with those at the Commonwealth Quality Program and some of the local stakeholders I've met, and as well as the process of just dissecting this problem and trying to understand it myself, but also communicate it effectively. <laughs> fitting it into a word count, um, and to those less privy to the world of agricultural food safety. So I feel very um, satisfied. (laughs) Rachel Wilson lives in St. Louis, Missouri, where she grew up. After studying English as an undergraduate at the University of Missouri, Rachel felt a pull toward living more sustainably. So pursued an apprenticeship at an organic vegetable farm near Greenville, South Carolina. During this experience, she saw firsthand not only the hard work that goes into sustainable agriculture, but also what I call the social ecosystem of those doing food systems work. She found camaraderie between folks engaged in similar work to be meaningful, and she enjoyed connecting with other producers in the local community, After returning to St. Louis, Rachel was eager to continue learning more and began the Master of Science degree in Sustainable Food Systems at Prescott College. At the same time, she also began her current role at a startup based in St. Louis that works to reduce inefficiencies in the local produce supply chain. Her experience at Prescott 
and in her professional role of working with local producers in the Midwest, has fostered a passion to reduce barriers for local farmers and strengthen local food systems. Rachel, I have to say first off that one thing I love about your capstone is how it seems to relate so directly to your experience working with local producers in your region of the Midwest. Um, for folks who may not know, our degree here at Prescott is intentionally designed as an online program. It's not a COVID pivot. Um, crafting a bioregionally based curriculum has uh, been our strategy from the very beginning so that students like Rachel can expand on the relationships and knowledge they have cultivated where they live and apply what they are learning about sustainable food systems directly to their community experiences. When you understand the food system as a complex adaptive system, then you can appreciate that it's only through these many small interconnected and effective actions happening locally or bioregionally that a more global system shifting change can happen. So I'm wondering, Rachel, when did you know what you wanted to focus on for your capstone? Was it something that came, that you came into the program with an idea to do, or did it evolve over time and uh, exposure to different ideas and opportunities? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, so when I was an apprentice on the organic vegetable farm, I learned that farming wasn't my specific calling in life, <laughs> but I felt such an admiration for these farmers and hearing their stories, um, which led me to the degree in sustainable food systems. So I suppose very early on, I knew um, that I wanted to have a project focused on helping farmers. Um, but this focus on food safety certifications really came from my professional day job working with farmers and seeing how this particular program, the USDA GAP, which just stands for Good Agricultural Practices, um, the certi certification was a barrier to market for so many small and medium-sized growers. Well, let, let's dig into that a little bit because you, you frame your project by asserting that it's necessary to have food safety requirements in place um, just so that it prevents, and I guess also so that you can track foodborne illness. And there are, as you mentioned, federal certification audits for farmers that while voluntary are actually becoming a requirement for selling produce to many buyers. So, so tell us what the problem is here. Yeah, so what I was seeing in my work was that on the topic of food safety, Many produce farmers in the U.S. wanting to sell to wholesale and institutional buyers must comply with federal re regulations from the FDA under the produce safety rule, and at the same time must comply with buyer requirements, um, the most common being the USDA's GAP audit program. So while the GAP audit essentially expands upon the produce safety rule inspection, it is expensive, confusing to understand, time consuming for most farms, and not to mention the FDA and the USDA really run their programs separately. And a farm wanting to sell to these larger customers will have to apply for both programs. So without getting too much into the weeds to understand what a farm is up against, um, the GAP audit is a massive technical document that requires USDA food safety training, 
a dedicated food safety officer on staff, uh, record logs showing ongoing documentation on a number of compliance areas, water and soil testing, prior land use records, mm -hmm. and so on. So it requires you know, daily commitment and additional time to prepare the audit, as well as just the audit fees that are quite costly for most farms. So it's a lot of work and time. And I also just think it's important to mention that unlike an organic certification, there is no price increase for a GAP certified produce item compared to a non-certified item. Uh, it's hard to justify. For yeah, but that's a very important part to bring out. And, and yeah. yeah, that's really extensive. I So, you know, I'm thinking, I know you've always found the conversations within the social ecosystem of folks doing food systems work to be valuable. So I'm wondering, you know, have you heard um, from farmers that you know, or you work with, um, you know, are they voicing these challenges? You know, do you have a story that you could share with us about that? Yeah. So farmers to me have described the USDA gap audit as frankly, a, a pay to play scheme <laughs> because mm -hmm. they often feel like they're paying to check a box on the buyer's paperwork when the buyers often don't understand the intricacies of food safety. Um, one specific farmer told me that he underwent the USDA gap audit in order to supply to a nearby grocery chain, only to have the buyer end up supplying from a different farmer who had local lower prices. So you can see how powerless the farmers are in this situation. Um, and along with this, both the produce safety rule and the USDA gap audit, it can feel incredibly daunting for someone who is not well-versed in the intricacies of food safety science. So that scares off a lot of farmers. Yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, I want to bring Robin in here and, and I, and I want to ask you, Robin, you know, kind of to help us with some of the tie-ins. So, you know, how is it that policies like this impact both negatively and positively um, farmers, consumers, the environment, local food economies, what are the ways it all connects? I see. I get the easy question here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the best place to, to start this is just to reaffirm that we all want food to be safe. You know, there's nobody who's engaged in food systems that, you know, especially a business person, a farmer, a processor, a realtor, nobody ever wants someone to encounter unsafe food. So that is not what this question is about. Um, and it's not even, um, you know, it's not even about uh, advocating for relaxing policies, right? So I think most of the actors and in, in the value chains and food systems would say, yes, you know, we accept uh, some level of regulation to um, ensure that food is safe. Um, but so what the conversation ends up being about is really about like how many hoops does a grower need to jump through uh, to be able to sell uh, their uh, safe food uh, to folks. So, you know, as Rachel uh, described, it's, um, it's about having retailers 
ask for um, compliance with, you know, multiple and different um, sets of regulations and standards from what is being required uh, by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Um, <clears throat> so the the issue there is also yes, you know, sometimes these regulations, um, you know, as a as a policy person, we know that policies and regulations can help bring about positive change in systems, but we don't want those to be um, such high bars to reach that it has unintended consequences of marginalizing our smaller uh, growers. So really from a food systems sustainability perspective, we want to make it easier uh, for small and medium-sized growers, not harder, to participate in markets. We know that you know more different kinds of farms in the landscape is um, good for the landscape, good for the environment, good for soils, good for pollinators, and it also supports jobs, which are all really positive things. So it's not, should there be regulations? It's how do we make this more streamlined and easier for uh, farmers to participate in different kinds of markets. Right, right. So, um, Rachel, after you became aware of all these issues, it sounds like you started exploring uh, more farmer-friendly alternatives to some of the challenges um, folks were experiencing. So um, I understand that um, within your capstone, you provide an innovative case study. So I'm wondering if you can uh, talk a little bit about that. Yes, I discovered the Massachusetts Commonwealth Quality Program or CQP that has successfully combined the requirements under produce safety rule inspection, and the USDA gap audit into one state-led certification program to do both. Um, they're run by the Massachusetts Department of Agriculture Resources, MDAR, with a team of auditors that provides one-on-one -on -one technical assistance on food safety, but also regenerative farming practices that they encourage. Um, importantly, farmers are not charged for any services, including the audit itself. And in addition to that, the state of Massachusetts gives priority to farmers pursuing CQP for a number of grant opportunities to fund food safety infrastructure and so on. So they've essentially removed the financial and time commitment barriers that other farmers and other states face. Um, what is additionally unique about this program to me is their relationships with buyers across the state as well as key players like the Produce Marketing Association. Um, the founder was really intentional in gaining buyer support knowing that it would determine the success of the program. And today CQP has over 120 certified farms, which in reference Missouri has only 10 certified farms at the moment um, and is accepted by every major retailer in Massachusetts, including large chains like Whole Foods. So. Um, it's and it's completely replaced the USDA gap audit. It's no longer offered in the state. So it's quite the successful example. Yeah, that's impressive. So after you found out and you examined um, the program in Massachusetts, how did that inform your capstone? Where did you where did you take your project from there? So I, I was incredibly impressed with CQP, obviously, um, but 
Massachusetts has a very different agricultural industry than Missouri and Illinois, where I live in St. Louis. Um, you know, beef, soy, corn are the dominant crops and produce growers are not often the main focus. So I wanted to explore if a program like CQP could be replicated in St. Louis. So my, my research was three parts. The first was this case study um, of the Commonwealth Quality Program, where I interviewed the founder and a staff member of the team to really understand the origin and the structure of the program. And then from there, I went back to my own bioregion. So the second piece was an online survey for produce growers of all sizes in Missouri and Illinois. Um, I wanted to have data on the, these barriers of gap certification that specifically farmers in this region were facing. And I was able to get 26 participants for the survey. And it was really diverse with farms, both from both states and um, both GAP certified and non-GAP certified. Um, and I collected things like um, the, you know, what their motivations were for pursuing or not pursuing GAP um, with answers like a requirement from their buyers or lack thereof, or you know, farmers wanting to protect consumers and, and uh, likely following a lot of these processes, but not doing the paperwork that's required for a certification and thus missing out on that buyer. And then the third piece of my research was the stakeholder interviews with quality assurance managers at the wholesale level who are making decisions on food safety. And also I interviewed um, several food safety educators that were interacting with farmers in this region on a regular basis. So these interviews really allowed me to understand what services were currently being offered, like free water testing in Missouri, and what hesitations these buyers had when it comes to food safety. Uh, unsurprisingly, the larger the volume that these managers were buying, the more strict their compliance was. And they, they also noted that an alternative would need to have national recognition before they would accept it. So mm. really my recommendations focused on how St. Louis could begin to replicate a model like CQP by pooling a lot of their existing resources together and combining the produce safety rule and the gap audit would actually save a lot of staff hours between um, the Missouri Department of Agriculture and local extension agents who were working essentially parallel to each other. That's awesome. It's such an extensive, a terrific study. And I'm wondering, Robin, um, maybe you can chime in here uh, to talk a little bit about what are some of the challenges and benefits of students who, um, who include participatory elements in their capstone, capstone work. So what sorts of things did you and Rachel discuss as she worked to craft this portion of the project? Yeah, thank you. Well, Rachel is, I just want to share uh, with those who are listening in, is uh, very uh, tenacious and goal-oriented. And so what she really wanted to do is uh, to have the work matter, you know, to have the effort and energy that she was putting into her capstone, um, not just be academic. 
so if the work isn't just academic, then that means you have to get out there and you have to ask people and you have to find out what's going on. So, um, you know, one of the things that we hope to do in the program is help students, uh, you know, really build out uh, skill sets that maybe they just haven't had the opportunity uh, to um, to try out uh, before. Um, and uh we uh, aim them in the direction of skill sets that we know are applicable, uh, not just to the current issue at hand, but to, um, you know, other uh, important food systems issues, you know, to really transform uh, food systems of the future. So uh, for Rachel in particularly, it was about, um, it was about survey design and, um, and uh, research ethics and going through a process that all federally funded institutions, including academic institutions, um, need to go through what's called the Institutional Review Board, uh, where a, a panel of faculty and community members, um, you know, worry about the kinds of questions that are being asked of, um, of uh, research participants to make sure that the research is, is ethical. So, you know, those that uh, survey design and interviewing is uh, is important, but then also uh, something else that was, um, you know, part and parcel of Rachel's work was talking to the folks who are engaged uh, in that issue. And so, you know, when we think about this in terms of skill sets, it's really about networking and building out students' networks. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to just cold call someone, but if you're working on a research project, then that gives you, you know, the opportunity to, you know, give those folks in Massachusetts a call, find out what's going on there. You know, it's a, it's a reason to have those conversations um, with farmers. And then, of course, with Rachel's you know, a commitment to trying to uh, lay the groundwork to address this real need that there is and something that's perceived as a barrier by so many of the farmers. Um, it's kind of the what's next. And so in our classes, for example, um, you know, one of the classes we have in the program is the um, is the food and agricultural policy course. So I know that Rachel has some ideas about where to take this now that there's a, a model and you know she feels comfortable based on the data uh, making recommendations you know for her state. So what's next? You know maybe a policy brief. And you know I know that Rachel uh, reached out to another one of our our faculty, you know Dr. Liz Snyder, who is also um, a representative um, in the Alaskan um, House, you know, how do you bring forward uh, policy uh, propositions and, uh, you know, what kind of information is necessary? So, so uh, you know, just to sum up, it's about building skill sets that, um, that you can apply, not just uh, for this particular project, but also uh, in the what's next uh, to make it a, rea a reality, one hopes. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of sort of taking another angle on the what's next, Rachel, I'm kind of just curious to sort of, you know, Robin alluded to it a little bit, but I'd like to hear you talk more about what your, when you started this, what were your aspirational goals? Um, and now that you've finished it, uh, the capstone, do you think you've achieved them or what will it take to achieve them? 
Yeah. So Robin really um, transitioned well for me. Uh, I wanted to have research that would support an alternative food safety program that I could propose to local legislative leaders in the state. And I feel that my research and the conversations I've had has created a great foundation for a proposal that I can present to my region. Um, But I would also like to add that the process of my capstone has been probably the most impactful for me. Um, As Robin alluded to, the connections I've made through my research have been really incredible. A USDA researcher expressed interest in my project and reached out to me. Um, I feel like I've begun to cultivate relationships with those at the Commonwealth Quality Program and some of the local stakeholders I've met, and as well as the process of just dissecting this problem and trying to understand it myself, but also communicate it effectively, (laughs) fitting it into a word count, um, and to those less privy to the world of agricultural food safety. So I feel very um, satisfied. Great. <laughs> um, I am wondering, Robin, you know, you worked really closely with Rachel as as we do as advisors with students on the project. But now that she's sort of on the other side of it, I'm wondering if there's a question or two that you'd like to ask her now. Um, I'm, I'm wiping my brow, you know, phew, that <laughs> Rachel <laughs> feels, you know, um, positive about, about the process, because one of the hard things uh, about, you know, graduate school and, um, you know, our jobs as faculty members and, um, you know, this, uh, just in general, you know, we, we, we push one another uh, because this is about food and food system transformation. So we want to make sure that we get it right. So, you know, Rachel and I had uh, quite a few conversations about like, okay, so what is it that you're going to do as part of the uh, capstone project and then graduate? And then what is it that you're going to do with, you know, uh, short-term and long-term goals? And so, um, you know, we really ended up uh, focusing on on the groundwork, uh, the groundwork for making sure that, um, you know, an obligation that all of us have in food systems work is to make sure that we have it right, you know, that we're uh, making recommendations based on solid data, on solid science. And so, um, you know, Rachel really uh, was very diligent in moving forward with collecting that, those baseline data. And so what I hope comes next, you know, post-graduation uh, with the, with the, uh, her credibility and her um, commitment to um, solid uh, data is that I hope that she does take the policy brief uh, forward and that she does keep working on this because the need is, is there, um, you know, because there are these uh, different criteria out there and different standards around food safety. And so, you know, that need doesn't go away um, as we celebrate Rachel's graduation. Uh, and so I know that she she has that that commitment uh, to move it forward. Um, and so, you know, I guess the question that I, I have for her is, okay, so now that you're graduated, what are what are the next steps? Yeah. Um, and also I have to give a lot of credit to Robin. She 
had a lot of patience with me throughout the <laughs> capstone process. So um, anyone worried about um, their capstone, I think if you choose the right advisor who really gets you, it's going to be breeze. So, um, yeah, wow, so thank you. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. And I know that, um, really my next step is this really taking it back to my community. And, um, while I was fortunate in my capstone process, I made a lot of these, um, introductions to, policy leaders in my community and also Liz Snyder, just getting a good understanding of what this process is like. And so I feel pretty confident in having connections with farmers, having connections with um, local organizations that might be interested in supporting a proposal like this. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I truth be told, I'll probably take a bit of a breather this winter, but <laughs> I'm excited to get going. Um, early spring. So, Well, thank you, Robin and Rachel, for being on the capstone today and for such a wonderful conversation. Rachel, thanks for all your great work as a student in the program, as a citizen in your community, and for producing an important capstone project that has a really promising future. So all the very best to you moving forward. Thank you. Yeah. It, and uh, Lisa, you were my, you taught my first course at Prescott. So this feels very full circle for me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> this was very rewarding about, uh, about doing these podcast interviews is that you really get to, I, I do teach the foundational, the first course in food systems. And so I get to meet folks when they first get into the program and then um, talk to them finally in the end about their capstone projects. So that's, it is a really wonderful full circle. So thank you both for being on the program. And um, we look forward to presenting another wonderful episode. Uh, so stay tuned. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Capstone, a production of the Master of Science degree program in sustainable food systems at Prescott College. Our podcast audio engineer and soundtrack producer is Christopher Ridgway. I'm the podcast host and post-production editor, Lisa Trokia, wishing you well. <laughs>